Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we are glad you're here. As David said, uh, October is, uh, I guess, officially recognized as Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, it's the last Sunday of the month. Uh, we are appreciating our pastors today, um, as well as uh, Hannah as part of our staff at Connect Church. Um, like David said, there there's many, many hours of you know labor that goes into serving here, and many of us don't have any uh, idea just the, the amount of time those two people do invest into uh, what happens. So we are very grateful, very thankful for them. Um, and with that, we do want to uh, we want to invite everyone today. We'll have uh, food brought in after the service. It'll be in the lobby. So uh, please stick around, uh, eat with us, enjoy that time. Uh, we'll just kind of sit wherever we are, sitting here, sit out there. Um, please, we'll have plenty, so we hope that you will join in uh, fellowship with us and, and just another opportunity for you to uh, express, you know, to, to uh, Thad and Jamie and their family just our appreciation for them and their uh, family's service to uh, Connect Church. Um, uh, with that, my name is Craig Spivey. I'm excited to be looking at our passage today with you. As Thad mentioned last week, Romans 8 is... Uh, quite a weighty chapter, and the uh, superlatives that are thrown upon it are many, um, but it is not shortchanging it to say that the, the truth we find here in Romans 8, uh, if we take that and we press that into our lives each day, then, then we're going to see God and the Spirit just manifest in our life in a way that uh, looks very different from what we find in the world every day. Um, Dad introduced us last week, chapter 8. He looked at verses 1 through 4. If you weren't with us, uh, please just take time to, to listen to that message. You can find it on our website, on podcast, uh, wherever you, you need it. Um, but p- listen to that, that message because uh, Romans 8, 1 is one of those foundational verses that uh, as a believer in Christ, if that's where you are, we need to have that verse just rooted so deeply uh, in our hearts and on our minds. In Romans 8.1, it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we should wake up every morning and we should be repeating that truth found in verse 1 to ourselves each day. And why, and why is that? What is the lie that we... Uh, are, are tempted to believe each and every day from the enemy. And that lie and that temptation goes like this. And it's that we should steer, still be fearful of condemnation. That Christ's sacrifice wasn't complete. And that in turn, we still need to do something to fulfill the requirement of the law. And you see, that'll play out in many different ways. But we cannot do that. We can work. We can sweat. We can exhaust ourselves on good things, but that will still fall short, and we're stuck in a trap of bondage. But those are just lies. And the truth, the truth is in Romans 8.1, that says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that truth should instantly take a massive burden off of our hearts. You see, a uh, Paul would also write in Galatians uh, 5, verse 1, it tells us that 
in Christ, we are free, and we don't have to submit ourselves back to a bondage of sin. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And when we root that truth found in Romans 8.1 in our hearts, in our minds, and we believe it new each day, well, then we're able to walk in that freedom that Christ has purchased and provided for us. So if you haven't already, uh, we're going to be in Romans 8 again today. You can go ahead and turn there. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 8. Um, disclaimer at that, I told you I'd get to verse 9. I will not, so adjust your calendar accordingly for next week. Um, one thing that our text does today is that it's going to provide clarification to verse 1. Where verse 1 says, those who are in Christ Jesus Today, we kind of see what that means and exactly who is in Christ Jesus. So if you would, we're going to read, uh, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 8 here so we can keep this chunk together. Uh, it'll be on the screen. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a pew somewhere in front of you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, grab that one, take it with you. It's yours now. Um, but beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you were going to break down the book of Romans, and you're going to look at it in sections, and you would look find major themes for each section, uh, where we are right now, um, uh, up to where we are right now, the first two and a half chapters uh, pretty much focus on the presence and the problem of sin. And then you might say the next two chapters, so somewhere between chapter, uh, chapter 2 and halfway through it, verse chapter 3, uh, we're focusing on justification, and that is the provision made for salvation because sin had to be dealt with to move any farther. And now, uh, as we get to chapter 5, and as we've moved forward to where we are today, uh, Paul is focusing here on sanctification, and that's our theme, that's where we are. So what is sanctification? It is Christian living. That is us beginning to look more and more like Jesus in our physical lives for God's glory. And that means uh, how we parent, how we work, how we discipline children, how we uh, partake in discipleship with those in our lives, uh, how we deal with suffering, how we deal with struggles. All of that bought into is sanctification and how we look like Christ as we walk through each different part of our life. 
So our goal, my hope for our time today, is that through our text, we will see how God is using our earthly lives for our sanctification, and that we would find hope in that process, and that we would also see how we should live in light of that truth. So again, we're starting in verse 5 today, and Paul makes a clear delineation between two positions, and that's what we're going to flesh out today. And those two separate positions are this. First, those who live according to the flesh. Secondly, those who live according to the Spirit. So simple enough. What can we learn through our text today about those two? And we're going to start with those who live according to the flesh. So first, Paul would say that they do what? They set their minds on things of the flesh. So we have to identify a couple of of terms there. Uh, What does it mean to set your mind? And then what are the things of the flesh? Um, So a little bit of Greek word here, uh, and I think it just helps us set the picture as we continue moving through. Uh, The word Paul uses for setting our mind is phroneo, and what that word would mean is to seek one's interest or advantage, or to be of one's party, essentially to side with someone in a matter. So let's look at what this might, let's see how this might look in your life. Parents, uh, you're, you're well aware of this. When we're disciplining, disciplining our children, mom and dad have to be of the same party. You have to side with one another. Um, if not, the child is smart and will find a weakness or more preferred discipline method. Uh, if mom and dad have differing opinions on the course to take, even in that situation, once one parent commits to a direction, you're both going that way. You're aligning yourselves together. Uh, and that is what we're looking at when we see this word for Neo, to set our mind. You're aligning yourself. So what are we aligning ourselves with for those who live according to the flesh? Well, it says they set their minds, they align with things of the flesh. The things of the flesh... The word that Paul uses here is, is very simple. It's, it's pronounced sark. And this word is used often throughout Scripture, and its, it's definition is very simple. It means flesh. It means meat or body of an animal or human. And there's a specific clarification, though, in that this word is always used to refer to, to those things only, and that is flesh or body without reference or implication to a soul or a spirit. So the idea that Paul is conveying to us here by using this word is that the flesh or body is denoting mere human nature, the earthly part of man, separate from divine influence of God. So those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. They are committed in a line with the merely human nature and existence. Their life is only concerned with the here, the now, and us. If that defines a person who lives according to the flesh, then we should ask this question after it. What is the end of that person? What does living according to the flesh secure for that person? 
And that is found in the beginning of verse 6. Romans 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. So just as we did before, we want to look at this word for death. Um, and the word used here is thanatos. And that word will sound familiar to anyone here that is um, familiar with the Marvel comic book universe um, due to a certain popular villain and his desired agenda. If you haven't seen Infinity War or Endgame, uh, you watch those, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Um, as we define that word, it's going to be quite simple as well. Thanatos literally, literally means death. But here's where we see the bigger picture. Look at what the definition of thanatos does not mean. Thanatos means death, not dying or to die. Barring Christ's return soon, most of us are going to die. It's an ending to our season of life. So right now, we, we need to separate those words. We need to separate the idea of dying from the word and the idea of death because Paul is making a distinction here between two groups of people. He's making a distinction between those that live according to the flesh and set their mind on the flesh. They will have death. What, is leading, what that life is leading towards is death. And there's a reason for that. So we're going to look at two other places in Scripture where this word thanatos is used. Uh, the first one is last week, Romans 8, 2, and then we're going to look at John 8, 51. So Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So that word death, thanatos, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from death. And then John eight fifty one. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Again, death, thanatos. So, Everyone is going to experience dying. But there's a clear truth here in that some will not see death. So with that in mind, can you see what Paul is talking about here when he uses this word? Thanatos is death. It is talking about, it is talking about our physical death, but it's also including the situation after our physical death on this earth, and we enter into an eternal spiritual afterlife. And in Christ's words in John, he makes clear those who keep his words, his commandments, won't taste this death. So when Paul's using this word, he's implying death to be physical death as well as eternal death. A judgment for sin debt to be carried by those who live according to the flesh and set their mind on the things of the flesh. As we talk about this position, the last thing that we need to consider for that is why are they heading toward this death? And the answer for that is in verses 7 and 8. And you can read those. They will be on the screen. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is a problem. For anyone who lives according to the flesh and align themselves with the things of the flesh. That alignment is not a neutral position. It's an active stance in opposition to God, the creator and judge, sustainer, and ultimately the redeemer of those who believe. Verse 8 tells us they are unable to please God. And the reason for that was in verse 7, their mind does not submit to God's law. 
we know that this does not mean fulfilling and living out perfectly the law, the commandments. We know that that's not what Paul is talking about. We find the key to that verse in the word there, please. When it talks about cannot please God. And that word is aresco. And it means to please or to seek to be agreeable. So pleasing God isn't upholding the law. Pleasing God instead is a heart that says, I agree with what you say, Lord. I agree that I am a sinner and my sin can only be dealt with in the manner that you say and allow it to be dealt with. The mind that is aligned with the flesh is spurning the good news of the gospel and that our sin can be atoned. So we need to turn our attention now to the other position that Paul outlines in this text. If you recall, the second position is those who live according to the Spirit. So we're going to consider those same three questions we did before. So the first is, what is living according to the Spirit? So back in verse 5, Paul would tell us this. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And as we saw earlier, this is a sense of aligning oneself with a position. Living according to the Spirit, we align ourselves not with the things of the flesh, that is, earthly, soulless, finite things. Instead, we align and are committed to the things divine, eternal. Specifically, we are committing to the things that God says we should be aligned to. And God's passion and his vision for his kingdom become our passion and our vision for our life. So secondly, what does living according to the Spirit lead to? And that's in verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Without us needing to define or dive into those words very deeply, it's a clear 180. It's a clear turn from what we saw before. Instead of a life that leads to death, physical and eternal, Life according to the Spirit leads to life and peace. And just as when we talked about the death, this life and this peace would extend beyond our physical life right now, but also into eternal life. It's not just the here and now. It's eternal life. It's peace, and specifically peace before God. And what that, what that looks like, what that means is when you and I, if we're a believer in Christ, when we stand before God, when we breathe our last and we're done here, we stand before God, those in Christ are viewed peacefully because of the righteousness of Christ. As Paul would write to the church in, in Corinth, he would say this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Where a life that is aligned with the flesh and the earthly things is judged and then separated from the presence of God for eternity, a life aligned with the Spirit and the things of God is judged through Christ's righteousness and we enjoy the presence of our Savior for eternity. And that also answers that last question of why. Why? 
It's because the Spirit is in us, which we receive when we confess and believe according to God's Word. In Ephesians 1, we have this beautiful truth, and it says this, 1 verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer today, this is where I want us to find our hope. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, you would look at your life and you would say, uh, I've never confessed to be Christ, uh, to be a follower of Christ. I've never confessed my sin. I've never asked uh, for God to look at me through Christ's blood and righteousness. This is where uh, you, you can find hope today here also. Our alignment with the Spirit of God, our alignment with God is a covenant. But it's a covenant made from God to us. When we, are, when we are aligned with God, he sustains and keeps us as heirs with Christ. As Romans 10 teaches us, our responsibility in that covenant is this. First, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. As we would see in the words in Ephesians, then at that point of belief, then sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's the spirit we're talking about here in verses 5 through 8. The Spirit then is in you. So if you're here today and you've never confessed and believed, there's nothing more important for you to hear today. But that's where you are in your life. And there is no neutral position before God. There's hostility, there's peacefulness, there's life, and there's death. Believers, those who have confessed and believed in Christ, we take hope and we take encouragement in that news today. Your position before God is written and unchanging. But we, do, we can take a direction from our text today. Look at Paul's words, and I encourage you, I challenge you, reflect them on your life. You'll notice that he doesn't provide any ambivalence in our text today. Those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. There is no maybe. There's no probably in that text. So we can ask our question of ourselves. We can look at ourselves and say, am I living today in a manner that aligns, that agrees with God? What God says is important, I also say is important. What God says is worthy of my time, I agree. It's worthy of my time. His kingdom is more important than my kingdom. Discipleship will mark my life because God calls me to this work. I'll work, I'll walk through this season of pain because God has a purpose in all things. I'll do hard, unrewarding work because it's not about me, it's about him and bringing him to all people. Remember that the spirit leads to life and peace and the Lord will never forsake you. He does not walk away from his covenant. And when we see our work and our pain for his kingdom, that's the only way we're going to find peace in that. Because if we look at it outside of God's kingdom and God's purpose, well, then pain, discouragement, struggles, you're not going to find peace in it. It's just going to be a downer. It's going to be a weight on our lives. But when we look at our, our season of life, we look at the... 70 years, 80 years we have on this earth. 
And we look at it for God's glory, God's kingdom. When we align ourselves with God, when God says this is important, I agree. That is important. That is worthy of my life. Then we can find peace. And then we, we, we're living then. And we're walking a life that leads to life, eternal life, in the presence of a Savior who will hold us closely and fastly for all eternity. Uh, we're going to close this morning. We're going to sing uh, one more song. After that, please stick around. Enjoy our time this morning. Please have food with us. Uh, we have plenty. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then the, the band's going to come up. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the, the truth that we can find in your word. Um, God, I pray that your spirit in us would move in our life and it would build up in our heart a passion for you and your word, uh, that it would not be something we look at once a week, but instead we look at it as often as we can, knowing that your, your word, your truth, Father, is uh, refreshing for our soul, that it guides us as we live teaches us how we are to look like Christ. Provides encouragement for us in darkness. Uh, Father, uh, you never promised us that our life here would be easy. And for many, it right now, it's not. I pray that we would take hope and grasp onto the truth that as we're sealed with your spirit, we're leading a life that leads to life and peace, peacefulness before you, Father, where you look at us and we're covered by the righteousness of Christ. And that from that point forward, all of eternity is spent in worship and in glorifying you. I do pray that we, as a, as a body, as a family, would uh, encourage, would lift up and hold fast those that are in the seasons of pain just hurt um, there, there are many people there and there are many people not there God and for those not there would, would we rally around our brothers and sisters in Christ Father I pray that this morning anyone here that is currently living a life aligned with the flesh aligned with the things of now pray God that your your word would just pierce their heart that uh, they would fall in love with you through your word through your text they wouldn't fall in love with anything else but just the good news of a God the gospel that a, a creator God sovereign over all provided your son the perfect atonement for our sin that is before us if we confess and believe Father, I pray that today. Let us worship you uh, with a heart of thanksgiving, recognizing that you sustain us, that you have given us life for your kingdom, that that is why we are here. Our purpose is for your kingdom. We are to glorify you all the days of our life. We do that when we faithfully walk through as we give thanks for blessings, we raise up children that know the name 
the Lord. Just pray for your peace and your strength, Father, as we do that. And we thank you for your son. It's in Christ's name.